Hello, hello. <laughs> hello. Hey, welcome to Too Legit to QT with me. I'm your host, Darkwaya Connor, and today I am so excited because I am with the director and writer of Welcome to Happiness, Oliver Thompson. Welcome to the show, Oliver. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, I really like the film. Um, it, there were so many themes. It was definitely very like mystical. At first I was like, oh, is this realism? Oh no, it's not realism or maybe it is. Um, and I think about halfway through the film, I was like, oh wait, okay. This is like a magical, mythical yeah. place. So that's yeah. kind of cool. But you kind of leave the audience wondering for a second, which is this place called Happiness. And for those of you watching, Welcome to Happiness is a film about a magical door in Woody's closet that allows those who go through it to erase mistakes from their past. And when he finds out where it goes, his life is changed forever. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's such a fun, like, Right. I mean, I I would love to just do a deep dive with you um, into all of the characters and like what they represented physically. Uh, the one character with the red dress and like I said, strawberry blonde hair and her whole room being green. I was yeah. Like, <laughs> What is going on? Um, but this film came out in 2015 and now you're re-releasing it with the director's cut. What can audiences expect now with this new re-release? Um, so yeah, the, the, the thing, so I'm not really sure if we're calling it a director's cut or a special edition. I know I was in okay. favor of the Star Wars term special edition because um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you know, director's cut generally implies that the director was forced to leave a bunch of stuff out or make a bunch of changes the first time around. Right. You know, it's usually like what we think of when we think of a director's cut and then now they're getting the chance to make their vision the way they want without the studio meddling or whatever. Well, the fact is I did get to make the movie I wanted to make in 2015 that, you know, um, and it's just been that five or six years of hindsight. I can kind of see, Oh, Maybe. And so this new version is actually 15 minutes shorter than the original. Oh. Version. So that's a really different thing than your traditional director's cut, which would almost always be longer. Right. Um, so, you know, the main thing that made me want to even make any changes at all when I found out that we were getting this re-release and that they really wanted to, to push it and not just sort of like float it out there like an archive title mm -hmm. um, is I, I, I'd always wanted to do chapter titles in this uh -huh. in this movie um something the first version didn't have and i regretted it from pretty much the first screening I, I i wrestled with whether or not to do it and then for one reason or another i decided not to and pretty much right off the bat like while we were doing festivals and stuff i i, I had the thought you know i should have done the chapter titles because it just it's the kind of story that it, it it's helpful to have that organization you know uh -huh. to like digest the information um i I look at it where it's almost structured more like a TV show or like a um, a book or something than mm -hmm. your traditional movie that usually follows one character, you know. So the chapter titles kind of help with that. And that was really all I was going to do. Um, and, you know, once you start, <laughs> you start. Uh, Tinkering uh, at it. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> next thing you know, oh my God, here we are. We're 15 minutes shorter. And um, so, yeah, those are the big changes that I just streamlined version of the movie with 
some some uh, chapters that help organize it. And uh, that's about it. Mm. That's so interesting because I I didn't watch the the first version. I loved the chapter titles I, immediately when I saw. It, I was like, oh, this is a book, and then mm -hmm. I think it, it cognitively put me in the mindset of, okay, I'm going to learn something. I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm open to what that is. And then even with the chapter titles, trying to figure out, okay what is that within the these scenes mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like how i interpreted it yeah. interpreted, and i really really liked it also i liked the font the font <laughs> yeah, like just stylistically they're fun yeah. yes it's something about the font where it was very like quirky and like you said stylistic and i was like okay so this is real this is not realism. I, I like I, I knew I was like something's happening and yeah. then seeing the characters. It definitely, like you said, helped uh helped you to digest the content even easier. Um yeah. but I'm curious to know like how does one even come up with this concept? Like you wrote the you wrote it as well. Uh-huh. Where did this concept even come from? Because there were so many themes in here that I was like that crossed between like Christianity, Buddhism. Mm -hmm. I was like, is this Nirvana? Is this yeah. heaven? Is this hell? Like, yeah. is it like the waiting? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, are we trying to get like redemption of sin? What is what is happening? <laughs> right. No, and and you know, that's really cool that you say that. There's what's been interesting for me and in going even, you know, earlier in 2015, doing the festival run and doing QAs and doing um press for it back then. And then now now, you know, and just talking with people, what's there's, there are people who are um, completely convinced, like there's no question in their mind when they talk to me that I made this very Christian movie. Then there's people mm -hmm. who are coming, they talk to me and it's just, it's like a no brainer when we start talking that, oh, I made, I must be Buddhist. I made a very, very Buddhist movie, mm -hmm. you know? And what I, what I think is great or in other things too, by the way. And what I think is great is that means, you know, it, there's kind of a lot, it's all sort of there and then they're putting on to it what they want. And I'm not here to like, you know, um, say yes or no to that. It's just kind mm -hmm. of, um, to, to me, it was sort of none and all of the above, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, the, I guess to answer your question, the, the, where's the idea come from, you know, um, it's so hard to remember exactly all this stuff, but the one thing that I can remember, um, that I, I usually say is the, the first thing I remember is a conversation me and my producer had about the TV show Lost. Mm. And we were just chatting about that show, such a great show. Yeah. Um, and that show has a lot of, uh, you used the word uh, mysticism, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that is, that's a great word to describe not only Welcome to Happiness, but Lost as well. It's very, very mystical mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. spiritual. And um, there's a lot of, mystery and a lot of uh, intrigue and a lot of characters uh you know in and out of each other's lives and little yeah. easter egg moments there's so much of that in lost and mm -hmm. so we were just talking about it and, and talking about it and talking about it and then we we just started saying like how what would it be like to to take all of that take all those ingredients and instead yeah. of you know doing them on a big gorgeous remote island what if it was like <laughs> this tiny little one bedroom apartment, could you still communicate those same themes and have, mm -hmm. have the same level of like 
kind of mystery and, and excitement and, you know, um, mm-hmm. in a really small, like domestic scale. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of the first conversation that I remember. And then it just sort of um, snowballed from there. And, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love that because I liked the domestic angle of the action taking place in a very like kind of realistic everyday environment like mm-hmm. an apartment and even when the first character comes in and she, you know, he gets the facts and she's like touching the rock and yep. goes through the goes through the the door um one of the things that i really liked about welcome to happiness is is the universal themes that were continuously tied in there. And I think that's the best type of art is when you let the audience mm-hmm. determine what it is and whether you're Christian, Buddhist, spiritual, um, atheist, whatever, we all, all we all can relate to doing things where there's guilt and shame and mm-hmm. fear and wanting forgiveness for that or wanting to um, everybody wants to be happy that that is very universal mm-hmm. so i also think it helped with the leap it's like here you are in this apartment and then when you finally reveal happiness it's like this tv and then i was like wait what is going on in it in the middle and they're like out of like in the desert so i wanted to talk to you about those locations yeah did that organically come when you were like trying, when you were scouting locations or like, or did you actually say, I want a teepee? Because I could just imagine you writing this and mm-hmm. then there was like the writing p- component, which all writers, you write it. And then there's the production part, which is mm-hmm. what can we actually actualize? And then exactly. in TV production, it's like, well, what can we afford? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's a, that's a great question. So all the, the desert stuff was shot in Joshua Tree. Um, and yes, everybody knows <laughs> in Joshua. <laughs> yeah, and and then um, in in you know we when we were you know that's you're you're right on like when we were scouting. Um, well, here's what happened, which is kind of funny. So we're scouting, and there was a teepee there, and so I was like, oh, that's where I'm going to do it. That that's perfect, you know. So that that's what happens sometimes, right? It's like chicken mm-hmm. or the egg. So in this case, we we knew we were going to shoot all that desert stuff, all that happiness stuff in Joshua Tree, and then we got up to the to the actual area where we were going to do it. And there was this teepee. So I wrote the teepee in. And then when we got there, it a big storm had come and blown it down. Oh, <laughs> so it's like, no. come on, man. Oh. So, um, so we ended up having to like, I think, rebuild it anyway. Oh, but wow. um, but, it, but, it, but it made it into the script because it was actually there uh, beforehand. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, Many directors say that when they're coming up with their shot list and they're trying to figure out um, what they're going to shoot, that they that they have editing in mind. Mm-hmm. I saw that you are an editor. You mm-hmm. edited some episodes on. For, uh, oh yeah, I've, 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 I've edited a lot. Yeah. Yes. I, for, yes. For, for several years, that was kind of you know, but actually between Welcome to Happiness and sort of what I've been doing the last two years or so. Um, the which has been more writing and directing again, um, which is fantastic. But there was a couple of years there where that was my main thing. I was an editor. Um, yeah, and being so. able and being able to move from in this industry, being able to move from different positions. Um, we just I, literally the podcast that I did the other day, um, Overrun. Uh, the producers they were talking about that how you know they started off as like stunt coordinators and yeah, uh, stunt actors, and then they transitioned into. 
uh, producing, one into producing, one into directing, the other into producing, and how there has to be this flexibility. Um, but I'm curious to know um, how your editing has informed your directing, because a lot of directors say that it's actually helpful when you're kind of creating your shots yeah. to keep editing in mind. How has that, how has that informed uh, your directing, yeah. especially for this Yeah, film? it's a uh, fantastic question. And I, and, and for me, it is the, the two are like, they're, they're like not even separate. They're just the same thing. They're, they're mm -hmm. so in time. Cause I, I do have such an editor brain. So when I'm sh making my storyboards, you know, like I, I totally draw the whole scene out. Mm. It's already edited. And I'm not saying that we don't change things <laughs> and things don't keep, you know, you want, you want to go with the flow and you want to be open to, 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 you know, the, the, the rolling with the punches and stuff, but in, in other ideas and new ideas and what have you, but I completely edit and, and shoot the whole thing on paper, you know, first. And it's like, I, and so it's really helpful, especially in a, a low budget movie, like welcome to happiness. Cause you can show up on the day and really just get the pieces that you know, you're going to need, yes. you know, um, the other sort of approach would be to just show up and kind of like what hose it down as they say, just kind of like shoot a ton of stuff. And then in the editing room, we'll figure it out in the editing room, you know? And it's like, but we just, A, um, we didn't have the time to, to really <laughs> Most spend people doing don't that. have the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and B, um, you know, you don't have a real styled sequence when you do it that way. You know, it's, 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 I think if you can come in with a game plan and have really prepared a bunch of, um, cool moments, cool shots, knowing how they're going to edit together, knowing how it's going to build as a sequence. Maybe you even have some music in the back of your head. Like mm -hmm. you kind of can create like a real sort of cinematic sequence. And it, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think, I think being the writer, director and editor um, is just sort of see, is just seeing the, the whole thing from, from beginning to end from, is, is, you know, in terms of like being the main storyteller and mm -hmm. um, it's becoming more and more common, you know, just because technology has made it, uh, since we edit everything on computers now, you know, mm -hmm. we're all pretty computer savvy. Technology has made it much more common for directors to be their own editor mm. um, in a way that, you know, if you go back 50 years, it wasn't very common for directors to be their own writer or writers yeah. to direct their own work. And, right. um, and then now that's just the most normal thing in the world. And yeah. my prediction is that in 10 years, maybe less, maybe a little more. I think it's going to be, we're going to start to really see flip and it's going to become the most normal thing in the world for, for directors to also just be their own editor because it's just, it's sort of just moving that way. Uh, every director like knows how to edit. It seems like so. In some way, shape or form. But yeah. I also think it, it allow, would you say that it also allows you to be able to actually create more content because when you, if you are the one that you're directing it, you're editing it, you're writing it, then you're also not dependent upon all these moving parts. And like you said, you can um, get the shots that you need. You're not shooting in excess, which means mm -hmm. that you don't have to do these 15 hour days. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, cause all of, all of those things equal more money. And exactly. I, I, see, I see so many pro people who have these projects and it's like, well, this is what it's going to cost or what you're going to have to do to make 
this actually happen. And I think with these different things happening and the industry moving and shifting that now we're just, it's a more realistic way to actually produce and like push out content so you can actually get things done versus yeah. before where you had to wait on this whole team and wait on this and that. Would you yeah. say that or? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, cause I think what it comes down to is being self-sufficient. Mm. Anytime you're reliant on someone else, um, you go into it with these question marks and in one of the sort of safeguards you have against a question mark um, or in, in unknown is uh-huh. money. If you have time and money, then you kind of know, all right, but we'll, we'll be okay. We'll, yeah. Somehow we'll figure it out. If you don't have that, then that starts making you think, well, how am I going to do this? I'll tell you an area where I am ignorant. That is visual effects. Um, a lot of these guys are wear even wow. more hats than, than I do. And, and they can take it from, you know, they do all their own VFX, never mind editing their own thing. And, you know, there's so yeah. many uh, people that are brilliant at, at, at that. Um, and so for them, I can imagine they just truly feel like they have nothing holding them back because they mm-hmm. know, oh my God, I, I know I can write aliens coming down and blowing up this thing <laughs> and this bridge. They just know how to do it. Me, if I want to blow up a bridge, I start going like, okay, I think, think I kind of know that we're going to maybe be able to do that, but I'm really not, I don't actually know. So it's just anytime you just know, and you're self-sufficient and you're not relying on anyone else, then you're like, Oh no, yeah, we can do that. We can do it. We can go that bridge up. Are you kidding? I can do that. You know, tonight before bed, I can do that. You know, so, <laughs> so I feel like, uh, that's kind of, you know, yeah, you're right. You can get more done because you, you know how it's going to get done. You know how to execute it. I love to, that. To, you know, to, to, to just to say too, that's not to be, to, to say there isn't still a place for, I am, I don't mean to sound like I'm not in favor of collaboration. You know, yeah. I don't think anything is ever, should be a one man show. If you, if you can bring other people on, you know, directors directing other writers work and editors coming in that are better than you and having a better, you know, it's all, it's all, all great. I think there's just room for I think there's room for both. And to your yes. point, more content can be produced because if we're open to sort of mm-hmm. both both avenues. And I also think like when you know a little bit about what another department does, even if you're not um, even if you're not an expert in it, you also can be a better collaborator because you have like a more you have more more appreciation for those individuals. Like for me. I'm an actress, I'm a host, I'm super creative, but some of the projects that I've that I've wanted to do, I've had to like produce or like write a little bit and I'm like, "Oh, this is not my wheelhouse." But now I have like such appreciation for like DPs and gaffers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "I could never like or I oh, just right. don't want to." Like, yeah, right. I am not gifted in that. <laughs> I may have to do it to hold up a light, but I am not gifted. Thank God for you. Yeah. You do because like even producing. So my co-host, she's a line producer and I never really want to have to do that. Like yeah. she, that's her gift and she's really good at it. Oh my God. And I, 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 I will do it, but looking at budgets all day and see you say yes or, or no, is not, yeah is not what I want to do. Um, but getting back to your cast, mm-hmm. um, it's not often that you're able to see so many, like so many individuals, so many celebrities in an indie mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. an indie feature. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's Keenan Michael Key, that's <laughs> yeah. Kirby, uh, Olivia Thurlby and uh-huh. Josh Brenner from Juno. And like, yeah. I love them and I'm like, oh my God, like he had the, you had the opportunity to work with all these amazing actors. Can you mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about the, the casting process? Because I mean, Keenan Michael Key is everything. I think yeah. like, he's like, literally I'm like, there's nothing that he's not in. I couldn't even name drop with him. uh you mean everything yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah for sure um yeah so the process you know the cast is out of this world and never in a million years it's just one of those crazy things like we just never thought we never expected this little movie to end up with just this such an incredible ensemble cast um we're so just lucky and the way it kind of i guess the process um to answer your question was uh, sort of twofold on the one hand there was the um just traditional casting process. Lauren Gray, our casting director, is fantastic and was really, she's really big now. She was really just kind of up and coming at the time and was about to really sort of kind of like blow up. And um, so she uh, was able to secure people just through the traditional means, you know, some either just making an offer or some people even, you know, came in and auditioned and stuff. Um, And then the other side of the coin, which was like having a sort of a, a back channel you know connection like um you 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 know you know knowing like hey like one for instance that i that you you know keegan was a friend of paget's and so Mm -hmm. paget brewster just texted him i think or called him or emailed him or something and said hey you know you got to read this script welcome to happiness like he the director really really wants you um to play this crazy proctor character and you'd be perfect and the script's really cool and you just got to read it and you know when you get a trusted friend like that telling you, cause I mean, wow. someone like Keegan probably gets, I mean, even back then, like who knows how many scripts on a daily basis, like, you know, coming across <laughs> his desk. So when you get that extra little sort of like that, like that, that, that stamp of approval from, from someone like Paget, you go, okay, I'll, I'll take a look. And then luckily he liked what he saw and he wanted to do it. So it was a bit of both. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I- I love that you said that because um, me and my best friend and also co-host, we talk about that um, so much. You know, you see every everybody in the industry, we're all interconnected. And one person knows one person mm-hmm. who knows somebody. And sometimes, you know, you look at IMDb and you're like, oh, this is how it came together. But you have no <laughs> idea how it really came together. And sometimes it is that somebody knows somebody mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, and they're very passionate about the script and that's how it happens. Or, you know, even like a location, like people have come on the show and said, yeah, my friend, um, um, we did an interview and I forget, they got Elvis's house, like old (laughs) old house in like Vegas. And and because somebody knew somebody who knew somebody. And you're thinking that these people are just like Googling and getting these locations or whatever, but there's always, um, there's always these connections that, mm-hmm. that are being built. And I think it just reminds me that this industry is a relationship building. It business. is. Yeah. Um, um, and so uh, I just, I know that working with that cast, I was like, I, w- I want to be in the cast. <laughs> I be in the crew because you yeah. just seemed like you had so much fun. And also um, being a director, did you let like Keenan just kind of like, I mean, Keegan mm-hmm. just like, let it rip did you let him like improv or did he stick you to know rip? to be honest with you and it's not even a question of like what what i let him or didn't let him do mm-hmm. he was pretty 
adamant about just sticking to the page exactly as it was. Oh, wrong. wow. He was, he, yeah. There's, he, I would, you know, and this is a, to his credit, not mine. It, it's him as an actor. I mean, it, it's pretty much down to the comma exactly as written the big, long, like two page monologue. And he's ranting, 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 know. Like, you know, and, and it's just, it's word perfect. It's mm -hmm. word perfect. Every take. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, he does a big, long, laugh in the middle of his big monologue I, and like, yes. that, so That's like I, said. I was like sometimes i know some comedians you'll speak to some directors and they're like yeah they stuck to the script but you know we gave them room to improv well, yeah and that monologue, he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that big laugh. Like, so that's where I let him go. I'm like, hey, this time around, like, just really milk the laugh. And then we do another take. Okay, no, really milk the laugh, you know? Like, so that's when you get. It's the part that got me was the book, the book. Oh, just so you have something to do while you wait for two seconds, the book. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I'm like going up the stairs. And then coming back down two point five seconds later, I was like, "What is going on?" Says, here? No book. Okay. <laughs> it's like a. It's like almost like when you, somebody comes over and you offer them like a refreshment or like beverage, but it's yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean he's so funny, and that's the thing. It doesn't really matter whether he stuck to the script or didn't stick to the script it's still him and that's the important part he he is why it's so funny you know because he's so funny and that's like the great thing about getting an awesome actor is they they take this thing you wrote like you don't even know you know if it's any good if it's anything and they they start doing it and you're like oh my god like they elevate any w stupid words you could write to such a, a level it's it's amazing he's awesome I I love that. I love that. Well, we are coming to the end of our podcast today. But one of the questions that we ask everybody that comes on the show, um, you know, this industry is definitely not for the weary or faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of grit and you clearly have persevered. Um, I took a look at your IMDb. Um, you've worked on so many films, so many projects. And um, what I wanna know is what ignites your motivation and how do you stay consistent and persistent to follow your dreams? Oh, it's a wow. loaded question. No, it's a great question, but you're <laughs> right. It is hard to answer. I mean, it's probably one, probably an answer you hear all the time and it's not very original or exciting, but it's just, I don't think I can do anything else. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what else I'd be doing. I don't, I don't have it in me to, you know, to give up. Like, it's just, this is just what I was um, meant to do. And I think you, you just have to, yeah, you just have to like stick with it. Like you said, persevere. I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. And so where can people um, see the director's cut? When, it, when, when will it be released? Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's August 27th. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't, I'm, I'm like 90% sure. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I, I think it's August 27th. And then, and then you know, um, just like your your basic VOD streaming platforms. Um, Amazon. Yeah, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay. All, all streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. um, and also, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Oliver Thompson. I'm only on Instagram, but uh, and I don't really ever do anything on it, but I am there if you find me. And <laughs> by all means, you can see a, a couple posts from six years ago. It'll be riveting. Oh my uh, goodness. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's okay. We're still going to show you some love and follow you on Instagram. You never know. Um, okay. So everybody remember to watch the director's cut of Welcome to Happiness. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Oliver. Thank you um, for having me. Please stay on after our intro and we'll see you all next week. You know the drill. Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.